You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. What's happening, Grace? Good morning. Happy New Year to you. It's... uh... An exciting day. I know we're looking around and we're finishing our series in the songs of Christmas and you're like, all the decorations are gone. Christmas is over. I'm like, not according to the preaching schedule, it's not. So we got one more week. It's going to be, it's going to be good this week. Some of us, so man, maybe we're ready for Christmas to move on. I met this girl, uh, this couple weeks ago at, at a doctor's office. She was the receptionist there and I asked her about her Christmas plans. Actually, I forgot to tell you, I'm Sean. If you don't know who I am, nice to see you. Welcome. Um, anyway, this girl I met, she, uh, she was a receptionist there, and I asked her about her Christmas plan. She's like, man, I'm just ready for it all to be over with. And I was like, well, tell me about that. What, why? And she just said, oh, just relationships are hard. Family relationships are tough. And it's just it's a hard season, a hard time of year for us. So I just would rather just move on with it. And I've felt that way at times in my life. Maybe you, you're feeling that way this morning as well. And so my hope and my prayer for us this morning is that just one more time before we move on out of this holiday season, one more time we'll stop, we'll slow down, and we'll consider some of the implications for our lives because God came to earth and was born as a baby. All right, that's, that's my hope for us this morning. And so I want to review where we've been. Some of us have been in and out throughout the series. Some of us may have not been here at all. And so I just want to review the last couple of weeks where we've been. We saw a couple of weeks ago this older couple that was surprised to have a child at last. This was Zechariah and Elizabeth. They had their, their son, John, who would go on and grow up to become John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. He was a forerunner to our Messiah. And it was a, an, amazing, an amazing thing that happened there. And then we met this young girl who was even more surprised to have a child so soon. This was Mary. This was, of course, Jesus' mom. And uh, she was a beautiful, um, godly, righteous young woman um, who was also a virgin. And so for her, because she was a virgin, she obviously couldn't get pregnant. And yet God did exactly that by the power of his spirit. He made her become, he made her become pregnant. It was amazing. One of the things that I love that links both of these stories together is that both of these births were announced beforehand by angels. And then last week we saw on Christmas Eve, we looked at this story where angels were involved again because Jesus had been born. And it says that there's these shepherds that are living in the fields nearby. They're keeping watch over their flocks at night, it says. They're night shift workers like me. I have a job at the hospital as well in addition to this one. And I work night shift and half for a long time, so I identify with the shepherds. They take care of sheep. I take care of babies. That's what we do. Um, anyways, so the shepherds are out there. And it says that this angel shows up. And the glory of the Lord shines all around them, and the shepherds are freaked out. They're totally terrified. But the angel says to them, he says, listen, don't be afraid. I got good news for you today. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And then suddenly, this angelic choir, I picture thousands or millions of angels show up, and they all are worshiping and singing and praise to God. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sing, uh, scene that we see here. And after this, then, we're told that the shepherds go around, and they basically talk about Jesus as much as they can to whoever, whoever will listen. They want to tell everybody about what they've seen, what they've experienced. And then we're told this little section in the scripture in, in the book of Luke, uh, which we didn't get to preach on, but it's, it's on Jesus' circumcision. And since we didn't preach on it, I have a video for us. That's a lie. I don't have a video. You guys know what circumcision's about. <laughs> My son's like, what are you doing, Dad? Come on. Okay. Uh, anyway, 
Cool story. Then we get to today's story. And today's story is, is sort of like a postscript to the Christmas story because today we're looking at this guy named Simeon who has this really cool interaction with Mary and Joseph and with baby Jesus. And he is going to declare his own song of praise, his own song of prophecy. And there's some really cool life lessons that we can learn from this story and from what it is that Simeon says. And so that's, that's my goal this morning. I want to remember. I want to remember together and just stop one more time and remember what are the implications for our lives because Jesus came a couple thousand years ago. Okay, so let's pray one more time. I want to invite the Spirit to work, and then we'll dig into it. All right, let's pray. Father, uh, God, I love you, and Father, I love your word so much. Thank you, Lord, for the time to be together in your word this morning. Thank you, God, for your spirit. I know you're here already, Father. I invite your, your spirit now to fill me in overflowing measure. I pray, God, you would fill this room. God, I pray you would be working and moving um, in all of our hearts, myself included, God, so that we can see and understand and know you better, um, to know you um, clearer. And Father, I pray that you would move all of our hearts, cause all of our hearts to, to move closer toward you this morning because of, because of you, because of your spirit, because you're amazing, Father. So I just thank you for that, Lord. Enable me to do what it is you want me to do this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, uh, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so what's going on right now? This is about 40 days after Jesus was born. And these, these purification rites that are being talked about here were, were, were uh, rites, were rituals that were actually handed to Moses um, for the people from God himself. And they're recorded for us in the book of Levit Leviticus in chapter 12. And what it says there is that after a uh, birth of a baby boy, the mother would be ceremonially unclean for a period of seven days. And then on the eighth day, they would have this really special ceremony where the baby boy would be circumcised and he would get his name um, that day. And then after that, there was a period of 33 days that would go by. And um, once that was completed, that the woman would be purified from her bleeding. She would not be ceremonially unclean anymore. And so then she would bring with her husband um, these sacrifices to the temple. And so take a look at what it looks like here. Verse 6 in Leviticus 12. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a pit, young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall then offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. So Joseph and Mary, um, they're a couple that is righteous and holy and they really believe God. They really believe his promises and it seems that they, that they always have. Because this angel shows up telling Mary that she's going to become pregnant even though it's biologically impossible and she believes God. Uh, an angel shows up to Joseph in a dream and tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby that's in her is from me. It's from the Holy Spirit. So don't be afraid, Joseph. Joseph believes that messenger. He believes, believes God's message. They believe God when he declares how they should live. They believe God when he talks about how he wants to be worshipped and honored. And so they obey and they follow his commands. That's why they're there doing what, what God commanded them to do at the temple that day. 
It reminds me of the patriarch Abraham, who it said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is what I think of when I see Mary and Joseph doing this. They are another beautiful, um, wonderful example of righteous and holy people. They hear God's word, they respond to it, they obey it, and they want to worship God the way that he wants to be worshiped. Let me ask you a question. Could the same be said about you this morning? Are you somebody that believes God, believes what he says about himself, and believes what he says about you and your need for for his salvation? Does that belief then compel you like Mary and Joseph to then act, to, to respond, to obey, to follow God's word, every part of his word? Faith comes through hearing the message, and the message comes through the word of God. Mary and Joseph listened to the word of God, and, but for them to do that, they had to know the word of God, or, or it's really hard to listen to it. And we, we can and we should do the same thing, and many of us here at this church, man, we're great at this. Um, we, we're in the word regularly. Others of us aren't so good at it. Maybe some of you, the only exposure to the Bible you get is on a Sunday morning. And so whether you spend a lot of time in the Bible or or a little time in the Bible, my encouragement as we look forward to this next year, however much time you spent last year, commit to spending more time this year. Commit to spending time asking God, God, will you reveal yourself to me? God, would you help me understand what I'm reading? God, would you show me more about who you are and more about who I am and how I can love and serve and honor you better? Is that something you would commit to? It would be a great time of year to do that. A couple of uh, apps I would recommend to you. The one on the left here, this is called YouVersion. Um, it is a great app. It has a whole bunch of different Bible versions, all for free. There's all kinds of reading plans in it, devotionals, all kinds of cool stuff. The other one on the right is uh, from the Bible Project. We talk about that a lot here because it's, it's a great resource to you. And so if you need help figuring out where to dive into these things, check out these two apps. You can come talk to me. I'd be happy to help you. But um, yeah, check these things out. Joseph and Mary, they knew God's word. They responded to it and they, they obeyed it. And so on that day... They're bringing these two pigeons instead of a lamb and a pigeon, as was, as was allowed by the law, by the Levitical law. And a couple things about this. Number one, it de- demonstrates to me their relative poverty. Because if they could have afforded a lamb, they would have brought a lamb. But they couldn't afford a lamb. And so what I love about this here is Mary and Joseph are giving as much as they are possible to give right now, as much as the circumstance would allow. I love that kind of heart. We should be like that. Uh, the other thing that I love about this, uh, about reading this, that they're bringing these pigeons for a sacrifice is a couple of years ago, I had a pigeon problem on my house where they're kind of setting up shop. So when I read about the God-ordained killing of these stupid rats with wings, it makes my heart really, really happy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I'm stupid. Okay. Luke 2, 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. All right, finally we meet this guy, Simeon. And we don't know too much about this guy. We know that he's righteous and devout because it literally says that, that he's, he's righteous and devout. It seems like he's an old man. It seems that way to me because it, it implies that he's been waiting for a long, long time. And what's he waiting for? It says here that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. This phrase, consolation of Israel, is really, really closely related to the word comforter. And I love that. Because what Simeon was waiting for, he was waiting for a comforter. He was waiting for a Messiah. He was waiting for salvation, for salvation itself. And so one of the things, the first lesson that I see here is that we need to be patient and faithful as we wait. This is just like Simeon. This is exactly what Simeon did throughout his life. He waited a really, really, really long time. We don't know how long. But while he waited, he endured patiently. And there was lots to endure. 
There was all the normal things that happened in life, good and bad, things that we all experience. There was the, the fact that the calendar kept clicking by. Simeon had been promised this promise from God. And yet as the days and weeks and months and years went by, I wonder if there were times when Simeon wondered, God, did I hear you right? God, God did you really promise that to me? And so he's waiting, he's enduring. The other thing that Simeon is enduring is he is enduring uh, living under Roman occupation. The Romans occupied this area um, for about six decades at this point in the story. They were brutal. They were impressive and oppressive. And they, they, if you went against Rome at all, they literally could and would just kill you. That's, that's just how Rome operated. So that was a constant stress for Simeon as well as he waited for, as he waited. But this is something that we can do. We can be people like this. I met a guy. Uh, a bunch of years ago that was really, really good at this. Uh, he's there on the right, actually. This guy on the right, his name is uh, Bill Cash, Mr. Bill Cash. The guy on the left there is, is my brother, Billy Cash, his grandson. And uh, Bill Cash, Mr. Cash, is an impressive man. Um, when I met him, he was already a very, very old man, um, but an impressive man. But if I had to describe him in one word, it would be faithful. This guy was amazing. He was gracious. He was kind. He was loving. He was encouraging. He was funny. He was helpful. But the very, very best thing about Mr. Cash was that he loved Jesus with all that he is. He, he was an incredible man. This man had, like Simeon, endured all of the sort of normal trials and tribulations of life. It was normal part of his life. He, he met a beautiful woman. He fell in love. They got married to, he got married to his bride, and they had a good life. He worked hard. He provided well for his family. They had children. And yet at, at some point, she began to have some symptoms of uh, just not feeling well. So she went to the doctor. She ultimately was diagnosed with colon cancer that had already metastasized to her liver. And so Mr. Cash, he loved his wife. He walked with his wife. He cared for his wife. And then he buried his wife when she lost her battle with cancer. Some of you know that pain very well. Billy told me that after his grandmother had died, they pulled up to the house there. And when they got out of the car, they're walking into the house, and his grandfather is there at the garage welcoming the family as they come in. And as the family walks in, he's putting his hands on their shoulders. He's hugging them, and he keeps repeating a couple of phrases. He says, he's good. God is still good. He's still worthy of our praise. He's good. He just keeps saying that. This is something that's impacted my brother for his whole life. He remembers that day that his grandfather did that. His grandfather, I believe, was being a good and godly father and grandfather in that he was reminding his family of these truths. But I also think he was reminding his own heart of these truths. Sometimes we need to do that. And so some years later, Mr. Cash, he met a woman, another woman. He fell in love with her. He married her. And, and again, they had some really good years together. And then one day she started having some symptoms. And so she went to the doctor and ultimately was diagnosed with cancer. So for the second time in his life, he loved his wife. He walked with his wife. He cared for his wife. And then he buried his wife. All the while, he would constantly say, he's good. God's good. Later, he would walk with his sister as she was struggling with dementia and care for her up until the end of her life, loving her, caring for her, walking for her, and then ultimately, ultimately burying her. And as the years would go on, he longed to go home to be with the Lord. He would often say, man, I don't really know why I'm still here. Like Simeon, he waited. 
And one of the things he would always say to my brother Billy, he would say, Billy, if the Lord could get glory to do this any other way, he would. And so if this is the best way to bring God the most glory, then I'm okay with it. He's good. He is worthy. And so he waited. He waited with patient and faithful endurance in, in, through all of the joys and the sorrows of, of life. The last time that, that uh, my brothers talked to his grandfather, his grandfather said, you know, Billy, I know more people on the other side than I do here. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. And he eventually did die, and he's now with Jesus, this faithful, patient man that I want to be just like when I grow up one day. Our world and our lives have challenges too, just like Mr. Cash. We look around at the world, there's so much uncertainty, wars and politics and evil governments and natural disasters. We look inside of our own lives and there's financial struggles and worries and job problems and struggling marriages and damaged or destroyed relationships and worries of life. We have aging bodies, we have diseased bodies, we have hurting bodies, we have anxieties and worries and doubts. But there's one thing that I love about Christmas is it is a reminder for us to stop and to ponder this ancient story that has eternal implications for our lives. It's a reminder that whatever is going on in this world, all of the good and all of the bad, God is still God, church. God is still good. He always will be. He always has been. God is still working. He's moving. He's working his rescue plan for salvation for you and for me and for all of humanity. Church, listen to this. The church is still the church, no matter what's going on. The family of God will always be the family of God. We're here, we're serving, we're loving, we're helping, we're encouraging, we're blessing each other, the family of God, and the community around us. That's what we should be about, and we always have been, and we always will be about. And so whatever goes on in our world, because of these realities, we can be patient, we can be faithful, and we can wait with hope, just like Simeon did and just like Mr. Cash did. All right, so let's take a look at what happens next. Verse 27, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he, he praised God. So the, again, this old guy, I believe he was an old guy, Simeon, he's there in the temple. I think he was probably there a lot in the temple. And Mary and Joseph, they lived like 70 to 90 miles north up in the area of, of Nazareth around the Sea of Galilee. And so they would only come to the temple at certain times of year for certain things. And so they probably don't know this guy. And so this old guy walks up to them and takes their baby out of their arms. Can you imagine what you would have thought? <laughs> One of you old guys, go find a baby and take it from somebody. <laughs> I just can only imagine what they were thinking um, at the time. I imagine what they were feeling as they watched this old man hold their baby, but then begin to praise and worship God. Look what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people of Israel. Simeon is rejoicing at the sight of the Savior. Again, he's, he's probably never met Joseph and Mary. And yet on that day, the Spirit prompts him, you need to go into, into the temple courts. And so I wonder what Simeon was thinking that day. Maybe he was thinking, really, today? After all of this time, I've waited, today's the day? And so it makes me wonder, as he's on the way to the temple courts, what is he thinking? What is he, what is he feeling? I wonder if he was expecting a baby. But something about him, when he walks into the temple courts, when he shows up in the temple courts, and he sees Mary and Joseph over there holding this little baby, this almost six-weeks-old baby, and Simeon, Simeon immediately looks at baby Jesus, and he knows, there he is. 
Here is, here is the one. And so the second lesson we learned from this story is that we need to be about recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done, just like Simeon did. Simeon immediately recognized who he was. One of the things that I've been encouraged about in my Bible reading time throughout the Word this year, I've got a, a few guys I read through the Bible with every year. And one of the guys that joined us this year was my brother Piper. Um, if you don't know Piper, he's a stallion. He's our uh, pastor of evangelism. He's a really great dude. Um, meet him if you don't know him. He's great. But anyways, one of the things that he uh, has been a huge encouraging encouragement to all of us about this year is he is a master at noticing um, where, where scriptures connect with other scriptures. It's amazing. And so he's constantly like, typing messages on our reading plan, like, hey, did you guys notice this and this? I've never seen that before. And so it got me really excited about, I've, I really learned from him this year and looking for and noticing where parts of the Bible connect and match with other parts of the Bible. It's an amazing thing. And so as I was prepping the sermon, I was recognizing that, it, that Simeon here is seemingly the very first person inside of the city of Jerusalem to declare who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit had told him that he wouldn't die before seeing the Messiah. And he says this, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Uh, it also then makes me think about, about Palm Sunday. Um, because you guys remember Palm Sunday, that's when Jesus is riding into town the week before Easter. And he's riding into town like a conquering king and he's coming in a strange way because he's coming on a donkey. And there the people there are there to greet him. And so the message of the shepherds, the message of Simeon have, have grown and grown and grown throughout Jesus's life now. So there's this huge crowd there and people have palm branches and they're waving the palm branches and they're shouting this over and over again. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna was a really special word. It was a special word that was a plea for help. It was a cry for help. There, there, it literally meant, please save us. Um, but Hosanna also came to mean that the object of salvation is right here. So the crowd on Palm Sunday is literally saying, save us and salvation is here. This is exactly what Simeon is doing. He did it a long time before they got there. Simeon is holding baby Jesus and he is literally declaring salvation is here. He's rejoicing and declaring that Jesus is the way that God would save and he's literally our salvation. So let me ask you this. Have you made that connection? Have you, have you made that declaration? Have you recognized like Simeon and like the crowds on Palm Sunday that this Jesus, this is the one who can save and who will save? There's probably no better time of year than at Christmas to stop and, and remind ourselves of that truth because here's the thing. Once we recognize that, once we choose to trust Jesus' his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, then we can declare that Jesus isn't just salvation, but like we sung about a few minutes ago, that Jesus is my salvation. He's mine. And if we can, then the, the, if we can do that truly, then the next lesson becomes possible. It's that we need to be hopeful for future, for future promises. Simeon had waited his whole life for God's promise to be fulfilled, this promise that he would see the Messiah. He had waited patient and, and, patiently and faithfully. He did it with endurance, constantly being hopeful for the future. Are you hopeful for the future this morning? Now, some of you are like, man, I got a sweet vacation coming up this next year. I'm pretty pumped about that. So yeah, that's exciting. Uh, but if I'm, ask me if I'm excited about the, you know, political election season coming up and the root canal I have scheduled, not so much, not really. Here's the cool thing about this kind of hope. This kind of hope 
doesn't matter what's going on in this world. This kind of hope is completely uh, uh, independent of itself. So no matter what's going on in this world, the good and the bad, the awesome and the awful, this kind of hope rises above and looks above that kind of hope. This is the kind of hope that we can have no matter what is going on in our lives. And so then the question becomes, how? How is it that we maintain that kind of hope? And here's how we do it. We do it like Mr. Cash did it, and we do it like Simeon did it. We remember what Jesus has done, and we look around and notice what Jesus is doing right now, and that gives us hope for the future. This is a good thing to do all of our lives. Jesus' birth, it had been prophesied about and foretold since the beginning of humanity. We read about it in the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings called Genesis. When sin entered the world, it was first foretold there to humanity that there would be a Savior coming. And since that time, for thousands of years, humanity and, and creation had waited. And I know that there was people at times that maybe thought things like, is this ever going to happen? Generations come, generations go, generations come, generations go. Still no Savior yet. Is this really going to happen? Is, real, is God really there? And the truth is, God was always there. He was always working. He was always moving. He was always working out his salvation plan for humanity because he loves you that much, church. That's how much God loves you. And so one day, God whispers somehow to this man, Simeon, you will not die before you see the Savior. And so Simeon waits with patience and with hope and endurance and then one day this angel shows up to this young woman named Mary and he tells her, you are going to have a baby and this baby is going to be salvation. And that's exactly what he did. And then we read about and we hear about the absolute joy of Simeon and what God uh, has done and what he's going to do. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people's Israel. Remember, Simeon saying, you promised it, I'm seeing it now. Mary and Joseph are standing there too. God promised she would have a baby. She's holding the baby and now Simeon's holding the baby. God said that that baby is going to be salvation. This old man takes the baby and says, this is salvation, he's here. And so they're noticing what God's doing all around them and they're remembering what he's doing and it helps them to look forward with hope to the future. I've said this before and I believe it with all that I am. No matter where you are in life, no matter if you are still just trying to figure out who this Jesus is or whether you have walked with him for years and years and years and years and years, no matter that, we need Jesus and we need the gospel every single day of our lives. Because the, the truth is, we need to remind ourselves of this because life is a mess. It can be a real mess at times. Some of our lives are a mess right now in this very moment. And so where can we go? The truth is, we can go to a God who loved us enough not to leave us there. We can go to a God who left everything in heaven to come to earth as a baby and grow into a man, Jesus. We can run to this Jesus who loved and taught and helped and served, and he did it all in a sin-marred world without ever sinning himself. We can run to this Jesus who created and sustains the world, but who allowed himself to be arrested and tried and beaten. We run to this Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and our King, who chose a crown of thorns instead of a crown of gold. We can go to this Jesus who chose humiliation and pain and shame and agony and separation from the Father and death. 
We go to this Jesus whose body lay in the tomb for three days and on the third day was resurrected to new life. We go to this Jesus, we run to the Savior who would refuse to leave us alone when he ascended. And so he sent this beautiful, wonderful, amazing Holy Spirit, our comforter, our helper, our teacher, our encourager, our protector. This beautiful Holy Spirit that marks and seals us for the day of redemption is an incredible promise that we have. And he did all of this so that you and I can have an abundant and flourishing and joyful life filled with peace with God, with creation, and even peace within ourselves. Something that feels really elusive at times for a lot of us. He did this all so that we could have a completely and secure hope for the future. Now, it doesn't mean that life won't be difficult at times. Um, because this moment of joy and worship for Simeon and for Joseph and for Mary also has a promise of some challenges. Let's take a look here at this last section. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Many are going to see Jesus and recognize who he is and they're going to respond to that. They're going to want to love him. They're going to want to follow him. They're going to want to serve him. They're going to want to obey him. Many of you are in that category. Praise God for that. But many are going to reject Jesus' word. Many are going to reject Jesus' offer of hope and salvation. Maybe some of you are in that boat. Maybe you have rejected Jesus' offer. But you're here. You're here. And I think that that is a grace and a, and a gift to you. But the truth is, is that life isn't always going to be easy, easy. It's not always going to go how we'd like it to go. Because there's a special warning here at the end for Mary. He says, a sword will pierce your own soul too. This was a special word for her because Mary is going to raise her baby boy with the heart of a good and godly mom. And yet Mary is going to be up close witnessing Jesus's life and ministry. She's going to celebrate all of the incredible joys but she's also going to grieve and worry and experience fear and perhaps even uncertainty as she watches her son be rejected and then face arrest and, and, and later on his death. I can only imagine the pain that this would be for her, for this special mom, but I'm also encouraged by this warning and I think we should be too. Because like Simeon, who was waiting faithfully and recognizing Jesus for who he is and what he's doing. And like Mary, who would hear this warning and, and would choose to walk forward anyway, we could be like that. And so the last thing that I think we learned from this section is we need to be about standing firm until the very end. Mary and Joseph and Simeon, <clears throat> they all experience lives just like we do. All the joys, all the sorrows, awesome and awful, this big mix of everything. Not everything is always going to go our way. There's going to be challenges and pain and difficulties. Jesus himself said that we would have trouble. And so we need to be reminded of that, church. We need to expect trouble. We need to expect suffering. We need to expect pain. We need to expect heartache and difficulty in this life. But the amazing promise that Jesus says next is, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In the midst of pain, there's hope. In the midst of problems, there's, there's a promise for us. And so no matter what happens here and in this life, the very, very, very best days and also the very, very worst of them, listen to this now, if you are a follower of Jesus, better days are coming. Even if you never see those better days here, you will see them one day in eternity and they'll never end. It's the most amazing promise we have. It's a gift to us. And so that's what I want you to hear this morning. We've got a hope and we've got a savior. Now, I want to tell you about my grandfather. My grandfather uh, was in many ways unlike my, my, my brother Billy's grandfather, Mr. Cash, who we talked about earlier. The grandfather that I knew was a good man. He was a hardworking man, but he was a man without Jesus in his life. 
He was a Marine. I'm deeply grateful for his service to our great country, and I'm deeply grateful for anybody else who has ever served or, or currently serving our great country. Um, thank you. Like Mr. Cash, my grandfather worked hard. He provided well for his family. He uh, had a job in real estate, also was a farmer, worked really, really hard. Also like Mr. Cash, though, my, my grandfather dealt with the awful reality of having his wife diagnosed with cancer, my grandmother. And so like Mr. Cash, my grandfather loved his wife. He walked with his wife. He cared for his wife. And then, and then he buried his wife. Awful, awful pain. My grandfather also struggled along as he watched his son, my father, ruin his life with addictions. My father got hooked on drugs and alcohol as like a teenager. Never, ever, ever was able to get free of those things, ever. And he died an addict. And so my grandfather had all this immense pain. He also watched um, my, my father, his son, blow up his family with divorce. And after my parents divorced when I was a young child, I saw my, my grandfather infrequently, but, but I remember every time I, I saw him, I never, ever heard him talk about God. I remember him being a good man. I remember him being a, a hard worker, but I also remember him being a really hard man for me to know. And I don't know if that was him or if that was me or if that was a mix of all the pain involved in the family or, or, or what it was. I just know he was a hard man for me to know. And so usually I felt uncomfortable when I was around him, even, even as an adult. And so every time I saw him, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. I didn't really know what to say to him. I got the sense he didn't really know what to say to me. I just didn't know how to interact with this man until the last time that I saw him. I saw him, ironically, at a funeral. And there I am at this funeral, and he's there too, and there's a big crowd, and I, I look across the room, and I see my grandfather, and, and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like when I was looking at my grandfather, I was like, what's going on with him? He, he's, he's not, he looks different. But I, I couldn't figure out what it was. And so I made my way through the crowd, and I get over to my grandfather. I'm a little bit anxious because I'm not sure what this interaction is going to be like. Like I said, it was usually uncomfortable. And from the moment my grandfather spoke, something was different about this man. Here before me stood the man that I had known my entire life. And yet here before me stood a man I had never known. My grandfather told me he had accepted Jesus. Yeah. My grandfather was super, super excited to tell me that he had gotten baptized. I remember the look on his face. I remember the look in his eyes. I remember the way that he spoke with such grace and with such assurance and with such hope and with such peace. It was beautiful. And it was a gift to me. And the truth is, my grandfather, he died not long after that. It was the last time I saw him alive, and I never saw him again. But I will one day, because he's with Christ now. Worship team, would you come up here, please? We'll finish with this here. <clears throat> my grandfather, he waited until the end of his life before he met Jesus. And indeed, he is with Jesus now and will be forever. But it's also true that my grandfather forfeited many, many, many years of incredible and beautiful and a wonderful, abundant life that Christ wanted to bring him here in this world. The truth is that my grandfather, he would have still had the same mix in life, awesome and awful, just like we all do. My grandmother likely would have still gotten sick with cancer and probably lost her battle with cancer. My father would still likely have gotten hooked on drugs and alcohol as a teenager and never recovered from that. My grandfather would have still had the pains and all of the trials of life. But here's the thing. He didn't have to do it alone. He didn't have to walk through life without God. He didn't have to walk through life without the family of God. And so 
Grace, if we will walk in faith with God, trusting Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, church, you never, ever, ever have to be alone. You've got the family of God with you. You've got the spirit of God that dwells inside of us to help us. And so no matter what happens in this life, we can be victorious. Church, if you're a follower of Christ, you already are victorious. If you've got sins that have plagued you for years, you can have victory over them. Confess. You you may have confessed. You can have victory over them. I've experienced this in my own life. So many of you have experienced this. You can have victory. We have victory in in Christ. If you have Jesus, no matter what comes in this world, because Jesus overcame this world and Satan and sin and death, we have a totally and secure future that's completely hopeful. And so remember that this morning, like our big brother, Mr. Cash always said, no matter what's going on, church, God is good and God is worthy of our worship and our praise. All right? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, it's been a good morning. It's been a fun morning, Grace. I hope you're encouraged. You know that our future is secure if we have Christ and he's available to every single person listening to this right now. If you're new or newer to Grace, you're figuring out how to get connected right out the door on the left is our connect kiosk. You can meet my brother Piper out there or one of his crew. I'm not sure if he's there currently. We got prayer teams off to the side. If you need prayer for anything at all, come talk to one of our prayer teams or or one of us up here. We'd love to pray with you. Church, what I want you to remember, a couple things at at the end of the year here. Number one, I hope you have the merriest and happiest new year. Make great choices tonight. Be safe. And uh, (laughs) I know some of you are wild, so let's be careful. All right, make great choices. And, and remember this, this is, our, this is our future hope here. First Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen to this. Remember what he did. Jesus came before and he's coming again. And so we have hope for our future. Grace, I love you. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.